You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hi, everybody. It is Thursday, February 23rd, 2023. And it is indeed a heck of a morning. We are live in the MMA Fighting Twitter space. You can hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. I am Mike Heck. Hope everyone's had a great week so far. It is Thursday, which means this weekend we are on the eve of the eve of two big events. We're on the eve of one championship's return to Amazon Prime. We get John Lidiger, Fabricio Andrade, the rematch. Hopefully it will not end in such a painful way this time around. We're on the eve of the eve of UFC Vegas 70. Nikita Krylov versus Ryan Spann, the return of Tatiana Suarez. We're also on the eve of the eve of Bellator 291. Headlined by the welterweight championship unification bout between Yaroslav Amosov and the interim champ Logan Storley. We're also a couple of days away, three to be exact, of the Jake Paul-Tommy Fury fight. Floyd Mayweather is apparently boxing this weekend, too. There's just a lot going on. Some I care about. Some I honestly don't care about at all. But this is the world we live in. But as each day passes, what I am thinking about more than anything is we are a day... Or so closer to UFC 285. And that I am extremely excited for. Which is going down next Saturday in Las Vegas. We'll have a watch party. Myself and GC. We're going to do the damn thing. And it's going to be a lot of fun. So hopefully you'll join us for that. At this point, let's turn it over to you guys. And see what is on your mind. There's a lot going on in the world of combat sports. So let's get after this thing. We will start with Four Corner Sports. Hello, Four Corner hey, Sports. Hey, Mike. I wanted to ask you. So this is uh, Tatiana Suarez Fight Week. I wanted to know what's your opinion on her being out of the game for almost four years? Do you believe in ring rust? And if, and if you do, um, what is it that you um, assess with uh, her, um, her fight this week against Montana De La Rosa? All right. Thanks, Mike. Um, I mean, I guess we'll find out, right? I guess we'll find out. I mean, there's, I have a lot of questions. I'm obviously very excited to see her return. And I'm very curious about how she will look when she returns. There's, I mean, there's questions. I mean, I've, from people who train with her, who have seen her in the gym, and all that stuff, I've heard nothing but, like, not just good things, but tremendous things about her and how she has looked thus far. So, I don't know. It's it's tough to say without actually seeing her in there. I don't, I mean, it got into my head. Um, I don't think there's going to be a ton of ring rust, but... You just kind of never know until she actually gets in there and fights. So we'll see. 
And she's going to – and I think this is actually pretty perfect matchmaking because, like I said a couple shows ago, her fighting Montana De La Rosa, it's very good matchmaking because it's going to show – it's going to show where she's at because Montana's going to get right in her face and she's going to get right after it. So uh, she will have no fear at all of getting in there with Tatiana Suarez. She will get right after her. And I'm very interested in this fight. It's probably, as far as the UFC card goes, it is clearly the most interesting thing happening. Like the main event is two ranked guys. I have questions, obviously, about both of them. But Suarez's return is probably the most interesting thing that's happening in MMA this weekend. So... Very curious, very fascinated. And we'll see if the ring rust thing comes to fruition. But it's hard to answer two days away before she actually steps in there. Four-ounce sniper, hello. Hey, Mike, can you hear me? Yep, what's going hey, on? Heck man? of a morning. Uh, so Jim Miller obviously just fought this past weekend, and unfortunately he lost. Um, I did. I do remember him saying he wanted to fight at UFC 300. Um so for his next matchup, I guess who would you match him up with? And then UFC 300, uh, who then would you match him up with? That's it. Matching him up next. I don't know. You can't really go wrong. Uh, I'm sure they'll give him somebody that is on the come up to see how like real they are. So I think they'll go that. And then with UFC 300, it's going to be, what, a year or so away? April, May-ish? It's kind of hard to tell. Like Jim Miller versus Joe Lozon would be fun. I don't know if that's the UFC 300 fight, but if you wanted to do that right now, I'm totally down for that. But as far as who we can fight, like, I don't know, Mark Jacasey type, somebody like that. And then UFC 300... I've been on the corner of saying, because I, I look, I, I think Max Holloway is a great fighter. I just don't know how long he can compete at like a super duper high level. And I know at some point he wants to go to 155 and he's going to get to that point where he's just in sort of fun fight territory. So like if Holloway loses to Arnold Allen or loses a fight along the way, I think Max Holloway would be a fun one. Do it at 155. To have them two get after it and, and just have a good fight. Like he won't take a ton. He'll get hit. But the one thing about Max that I'm concerned with is he's just, he's just taking so much damage. He's been hit so many times and eventually that's just going to add up. And who knows if that's already taken its toll, but Jim's going to hit him, but it's not like he's going to stand there on the feet with Max for 15 minutes and just try to strike with him. He's going to try to go to the ground with him. So I like that. I like that fight a lot. Holly's just taking a lot of damage. Even in the Calvin Cater fight, which even John Anik to this day says is the single greatest performance he's ever seen. Probably top five for me. But even in that fight, he took a lot of damage. He took Cater never landed more shots in his career. And Cater cracked him a lot in that fight. So personally, that's the fight I would want to see. How likely it is, it's another question altogether but i'd like to see that fight for ufc 300 that'd be cool as hell
Tristan, hello. Good morning, how's everything? Good, how are you? doing okay. Um, as regards with, with Tatiana Suarez, um, you know, I'm just getting this. It, it sounds like everybody wants her to stay at Flyway and, and try to, um, you know, fight the fighters there. But um, she's expressed, like, multiple times she's going back down to, to Strawway. And I think Tatiana Suarez, they need her in that Strawway division to, you know, give it more juice. Um, you know, obviously, everybody's saying, I agree that the women's flyweight division is better right now than the women's strawweight. So, you know, I, like I said, I think a couple of calls ago, um, you know, have her, she fights this fight, like you said, have one more fight at strawweight, whether it's Amanda Lemos, whether even Jessica Andrade, um, you know, and the strawweight, looks like the strawweight division is starting to kind of move with all the fights announcements. You know, Mackenzie Dern's going to be fighting Angela Hill. Uh, Verna Jenarova's fighting Marina Rodriguez. So it's starting to kind of look like it's going to start moving really good. We'll see what's going on with John Ray Lee, if she's going to fight either Rose or if she's going to fight Amanda Lemos. So, you know, Tandiana is going to be a refreshment back into that strawweight division. Um, I've watched the uh, her media scrums uh, for this fight, and she's expressed that she wants to be strawweight champion. Once she wins it, whether it's John Wei Lee, whether it's Rose or whoever, then to keep defending it in the strawweight division feels like if she cleans it out, then okay, I'll fight uh, whoever is the flyweight champion at that point. So I, you know, this whole notion of well, we want to see her flyweight. And I really want her. I want her back down to strawweight, and then see what happens from there. Obviously, this depends on how she looks on Saturday against. Um, Montella De La Rosa. So that was my whole thing. And and also, too, the reason why the difference between Aaron Blanchfield and Tatiana is Tatiana, Tatiana's resume. She has those two wins. That means a lot. And with Aaron Blanchfield, you know, she has a Jessica Judge. That's why I was like, man, one more on either fighting Manel Farrell or Tatiana Santos, you know, would have been pretty good. And then, boom, you're ready for Valentina, assuming Valentina wins, uh, to beat um, Alex Grasso. But, you know, watching the interviews, she said she's ready. So she's ready. So I guess she's ready to go against Valentina. We'll see. Just wanted one more fight in, get that experience, and then here we go. Um, my other point is, another question I wanted to ask, what are your thoughts about, because he's fighting on Bellator, uh, this card coming up on Saturday or Friday, I'm not sure, is um, Hassan Magomed Sharapov, uh, Zabit's younger brother. I have high, high, I'm really high on him. I think he might be... I think he may make some noise. Who knows? You may see him against, I guess, Aaron Pico because they're in the same division. So what's your thoughts about Hassan on Magomed Sharapov, Mike? Thanks for everything. He's he's an exciting prospect. Um, I am – he's really good. I, like, I don't put him where I put Usman or Magomedov at this point in his Bellator run, like I knew with the Usman fight, his first fight, that this guy was, was the real deal. I, I knew it right away. I think this guy has a ton of potential. He's got a very high ceiling, but I wanted to see him rattle off wins. He's 22, I think. Yeah, he's 22. He'll be 23 in October. There is no rush on this guy whatsoever at 145. Aaron Pico is so far away in my eyes, that it shouldn't even be a conversation piece. Uh, these are the types of fights that he needs. Just experienced guys who can fight. 
I like the Jose Sanchez matchup. Want a decision. Tough fight. He'll probably get a finish in this one. But just keep slowly building him up. There's no rush for Magomed Sharapov right now. No rush at all. By the time he's 24, 25, then we could start talking. But he's also... Let me just look at his activity. I mean, he's not the most active guy. Like, it'll literally be a year to the day since he last fought. And before that, it was seven, eight months before that. And before that, it was seven, eight months before that. So just keep chipping away with this guy. But I'm excited. I mean, I'm excited to see how he continues to develop. But I don't think there's any rush to get him to the Picos of the world, the Jeremy Kennedys of the world. I think we're... We're ways away, and it should it, it just it just should be like that. As far as Tatiana goes, yeah, I think one fifteen is the place for her. There's way more value there at one fifteen. Yeah, one fifteen has good fights, great champion right now, big names. You got Rose, still got Andrade. Lamos is probably if they don't give it to Rose, Lamos should probably get the title shot. But Tat- I mean, I know Tatiana is not. She's not twenty three years old. She's thirty two. But she's been out for three years. And fighting Montana De La Rosa is, is a great comeback fight. Montana's tough. But there's options for her. Like, I don't think we need to chuck her right in there with Lemosh or maybe Yan Nan is probably like as high as I would go with her. Because again, you got you have to make sure she can get to the weight. You have to make sure not only does she get there, how she competes at that weight. We need proof of concept since she's been out for so long. But there's like, I wouldn't, it's not like I'd give her an unranked fighter. I'd give her somebody in the top 10 or somebody who's tough with the name. Maybe the, the John Jaroba, Rodriguez winner or loser, uh, I think Michelle Watterson has a fight. Whatever happens, you could throw her in there with Michelle. Uh, maybe the Angela Hill. Mackenzie Dern winner or loser. Like these, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. And then if she wins that and goes through, then give her one more and then she fights for the belt. But we got to make sure she can make the weight and that she can perform at that weight. It's just been so long. Like, even if she just goes out there and destroys Montana on Saturday, which is, it could happen. I still don't want to just chuck her in there in a number one contender fight. Give her one fight at 115 against a name, somebody who's tough, somebody who will test her, or at least on paper. And then if she just rolls through, then give her a number one contender fight. And we're off to the races. Let's go to JD, and then we'll go to Cleve next. JD, what's up? JD, you're muted. All right. No, JD. Oh, I had you. Try again. Get back in. Get back in. Uh, Cleve, hello. JD, you're next. Hey, how you doing, Mike? What's up, man? Uh, not much, man. Um, I just wanted to get your opinion on the upcoming fight between uh, uh, Alex Perea and uh, Style Bender. Like, do you feel like Israel's coming back to this fight a little too soon because, you know, it's what been barely any, it'll probably like three months, if that, since they last fought. I don't, do you think that's enough time to improve on certain things that he did in his last fight? 
And um, also about um, the lightweight division, I know Dustin Poirier is looking for a fight, but technically everybody in the top 10 already has a fight except for um, Rafael Dos Anjos and uh, Armand Sarukian. I personally feel like if Dustin wants to get back into title contention, he I feel like he should fight Armand, up and coming like Armand Sarukian, who's really tough and who arguably still won his last fight against um, Gamrot, in my personal opinion. And um, also with welterweight, uh, do you feel like Kobe Covington's ranking should be dropped from two since he's been so, you know, he hasn't been fighting. He hasn't, he hasn't fought in over a year. Do you think it's fair for him to still be ranked so high, even though he's been inconsistent when fighting? And uh, that's pretty much it. I hope you have a great day. And everybody else in the space, I hope you have a great day as well. Thanks, man. Yeah, Kobe's just such a mystery. I have no idea what this man is up to, what he's planning on. I know Dana, Dana White for months has been saying, Colby's ready to come back. He's been bugging me about wanting to fight. Since April of last year, April of last year, that card in Jacksonville, Dana White went to the post-fight press conference and said that he wants to do Colby versus Hamzat on ABC in July. It's been 11 months since Dana said that. And then almost every scrum he does, he's asked about Colby, and we've just heard nothing. So I don't know. Again, the rankings are just what they are. Um, it's tough. I mean, if he's if we get to like the summertime and he's not fighting, maybe they pull him for inactivity. Like in our rankings, we do eight. If you're inactive for eighteen months, you're out of the rankings. So I don't know if they look at it similarly than we do, but we we, we don't know. There's just so much going on with this whole court thing with Mazadal and you know there's court docs that says you know he suffered a brain injury in that attack so I mean you have that on court docs it's I mean I don't know how much that affects whether he can be cleared to fight by a commission I have no idea I mean again he's probably he's probably the biggest mystery in the sport right now because he hasn't talked to anybody he hasn't talked to anybody and I've been one of those people that have been on the short list of people who can talk to him and outside of just like a random response to a text, maybe once or twice since I interviewed him after the Mazadal fight before the whole incidents or alleged incidents in Miami beach. I mean, I think I've gotten like two responses from him and they're just like one word answers. So yeah, I have no idea. I have no idea what this guy's going to do. It's it's pretty wild. Uh, the Pereira Adesanya fight. I think it was. I, I expected Adesanya to come back in like July or August, but he's ready to go. I don't think he needs to improve too much, though. He was winning the fight. He was up three rounds to one. Almost got Pereira out of there early. Kind of took his foot off the gas, and he paid for it. I think he's got – I mean, his he's the better fighter. I think it's pretty clear. He's the better mixed martial artist than Alex Pereira is. Pereira is just so dangerous, and he just packs a wallop that you're playing with fire if you stand in front of that man and take your foot off the gas for 25 minutes. It's so hard to do. So I think if Adesanya is just aggressive – like I know we talked about this on BTL. If Adesanya just comes out aggressively and just – gets after it, kind of like he did against Paul Costa 
fights with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. And I know it's tough to do that against a guy like Pereira, who's so dangerous, but he had success when he was doing that. So I think if we get a very aggressive Adesanya who's going for the finish as a, if we get like, if we get the Rocky three version of, of Adesanya, Rocky gets knocked up by Clubber Lang. And then in the rematch, they just train Rocky to just go completely all out for like two or three rounds until he runs out of gas. That's probably the best stylistic move for him. Honestly, just get in his face, get after it. Do not let him get comfortable at any point and just try to get him out of there quick. I think he can win. I think he's the better fighter. I think it's clear. I think we've, we saw it in November, but you're just fighting. A, you're playing with fire. The longer you let this man stick around. So, I don't know if it's too soon or not. He seems he seems to want to come right back, so go right ahead. And as far as Poirier goes, in title contention, he's in title contention. I've been saying it for a while. It would not shock me at all if Poirier gets the Makachev fight. Even if Darius beats Charles Oliveira, it would not shock me in the slightest if Poirier gets a title shot. It would not shock me. He wants it. He's calling for it. Poirier is obviously, of all the options available for Makachev right now, and this includes Alexander Volkanovsky, Poirier is the biggest draw. 100%. Islam versus Poirier does better on pay-per-view than any other fight Islam can get right now. Outside of maybe Connor, and I have no interest in seeing that fight. None. Zero. But this is the UFC. This is not a meritocracy. This is about business and putting eyeballs on the screens. And Poirier will do that better than Anil Dariush will. And if Oliveira beats Dariush, Poirier's getting the title shot. It's probably going to happen. In fact, if I found, if I, someone handed me 20 bucks and said, you have to bet on who gets the next title fight, I'm putting it on Poirier right now, regardless of what happens in the Dariush Oliveira fight. Is it right? No. Is he the most deserving? No. But is there a good chance he gets it based on UFC business practices? Yep. Sure is. And that's why I'm I'm betting my hypothetical money that he gets the next title shot. All right, JD, do we have you? Yep, I got you, man. How are you? Fantastic. Hope you are too. Uh, so I Thanks, got man. a uh, question regarding the Nazim Sadikov fight. Uh, not sure if you heard John Anik's interview with him where he was saying that he was mistaken. He thought that in the post-fight scrum, he was being asked about his cut, which came from a headbutt, as opposed to the one on Evan Elder, which was a result of a knee from Sadikov. Um, just kind of want to know your thoughts on that. Thanks, bud. Uh, I didn't hear it. Um, this is the first, honestly, that I've known about it. But even even him, even if the narrative was, yeah, it was a headbutt at the post-fight press conference, that ain't getting overturned anyways. It does not matter. It's not getting overturned. It is what it is. Just bad luck for Evan Elder. And that's all there is to it. Sadikov should be just thanking his lucky stars that he, that he gets a win because he was losing that fight. I had Elder up two rounds in that fight too. It was close. There were moments for both guys. Sure. 
But I thought Elder won the first two rounds, and all three judges agreed with that sentiment. So, yeah, it's a tough spot for both guys to be in because Sadikov, like, I don't know how much your confidence rises after getting a win like that. I don't even know if you even feel like you won when all three judges had you down two rounds. Um, but look, if it was a knee that cut him open, he won. And it's just an unfortunate ending for BTL alumnus Devin Elder. I would actually like to see those two guys run it back. It's not like neither. It's not like any of them are in title contention right now or anything like that. So just, just have them run it back. Have them run it back. Do it again. Let's get a clear-cut winner, and we'll go from there. Uh, the Finesse Father. Hello. What's up, man? What's up, man? I appreciate you for letting me speak in your space. Um, So last time you let me speak in your space, and we were talking about how Dustin Poirier might be getting the title shot in International Fight Week. And now it seems like that's happening. In my opinion, I feel like this is pure racism from the UFC now. Benil Dariush won't get the title shot. Charles Oliveira, who, in my opinion, dominated everybody and defended his title twice, even though they stripped him against Justin, didn't get an immediate rematch. I don't know what Dustin Poirier did to deserve uh, a title shot again. He's just going to get a rear naked choke again, in my opinion. I do not want to see Islam versus Dustin Poirier. I don't even think Islam has to train for this man, in my opinion. Well, I, I completely disagree with you about the racism thing. Um, you have to also understand that this, this is what the UFC does. This is what they do. It's about putting on fights that are going to draw. Uh, that's what they do. Now, are there cases where there's just no other option? Sure, there are cases of that. But just think about this, and this will just... This will just take that out of content. Let's take it out of the conversation altogether. If Leon Edwards beats Kamara Usman March 18th and, Col- and Jorge Mazadal beats Gilbert Burns, Jorge Mazadal is getting a title shot. That's going to happen. That's the world we live in. Ain't, again, it's not racism, it's nothing like that. It's that. That fight will do bananas numbers, no matter how you feel. That's just what the UFC does. This isn't new. This is what they do. They want to put on the biggest fights. That's why Volkanovski got the title shot before Dariush. It's just it's what it is. Like th- this is what they do. This is not Bellator. Bellator is a meritocratic promotion where things are done correctly, and the guy who deserves a title shot. Gets the title shot. We've been saying, this is my my colleague and good buddy, Damon Martin. When I got into this space and started doing a podcast, I used to bring Damon on my show after every pay-per-view. And we would just chop it up. We would just get after it until there's nothing more to say. And this is probably in 2015. And I think we were talking about, it was right after Tired Woodley won the welterweight title. And Woodley called out GSP and Nick Diaz and somebody else when Stephen Thompson was clearly the guy. He just whitewashed Johnny Hendricks. He was the guy in waiting, and Woodley was like, nah, not that. And I remember us talking about this. 
And Damon told me something that I'll never forget. I'm going to pass this wisdom on to you, Finesse Father. When it comes to the UFC, when it comes to matchmaking and pay-per-view headlining and title fights, strike the word deserves from your, from your vocabulary because it doesn't exist. It does not exist. It's not racism. It's Poirier is the more popular fighter. By far. He's more popular than Benil Dariush. Islam Makachev versus Dustin Poirier is going to do better on pay-per-view than Makachev versus Dariush. It's going to do better on pay-per-view if they do the rematch with Volkanovski. It's going to do better because Poirier is a draw. He's a star. He does well on pay-per-view. And all of it, like, look, Oliveira has played with fire for so long. And the guy got stripped of the belt. He missed weight. And you can feel however you want to feel about this, but the man missed weight and got stripped of the title. He got killed by Islam Makachev. That fight was not competitive for a second. And now they're giving him an opportunity to fight Benil Dariush, which I think Dariush is insane for taking this fight. I think he's absolutely out of his mind. I think if he just sat, sat back and waited, maybe he just would have got the title shot to begin with, but that's just not the guy Dariush is. What killed Dariush was the post-fight interview after UFC 280. Beats Matush Gamrot. Great win. And then instead of calling for the title fight, he says, I'll fight 10 more guys. You can't do that. You can't do that. And the collective groans amongst the MMA community when he said that told you everything you needed to hear. We, we all agreed. We were like, hey, Dariush Makachev would be a fun fight. But he ain't getting the title shot. He ain't getting it. Now, if he goes out there and just murks Charles Oliveira, like he just runs him over, puts him away in the first round, and then calls for the title shot, he's got a, he's got a chance to get it. He's got a chance to get it. But if he goes out there and beats Oliveira and gets on the mic and says, well, you know, look, I want to get to the title fight, but I'll just do it or whatever the UFC tells me. You're not going to get it. You're not going to get it. It's unfortunate. Because I want to see that fight. I want to see it. But he's got to check off all the boxes. And he's got to beat Oliveira. Like, he's got to convincingly beat this man. And then he's got to say something interesting on the microphone. He's an interesting guy. He's a very interesting guy. Funny. He's quick-witted. Elon Musk call-out was great. Got a lot of buzz from that. And then he followed it up with just an awkward post-fight interview. And then he said, I'll fight 10 more guys. You can't do that. You can't do it. If you want something, go get it. This isn't, this isn't darts. You got to go get it. You got to fight for it. You got to ask for it. You can't just hope it falls on your lap. Bellator, it would. PFL, it would. UFC, it won't. That fight has no casual appeal whatsoever. Poirier fight, that has casual appeal. Henderson, hello. What's up, buddy? So I, I called to talk about Dustin definitely getting this title shot, and then uh, it seems like everyone's on the same page with that. But 
uh, I understand everyone who might not be happy about it, but I just think the way that the UFC has been making moves recently, you knew this had to happen as soon as Chandler and Connor got announced as the tough coaches, because assuming that they do fight the two of them, they've both lost to Dustin. And then if for some reason, Dustin beats Islam, now the winner of that tough season fight can go fight Dustin. And if, predictably more likely Islam beats Dustin pretty easily. Now Islam looks even better. And the fight with Connor or Chandler is even bigger and the loser can still fight Dustin and it'll still be huge. So it's just, these, these are the things that Endeavor and UFC, they need these huge moneymaker events. And I think with Francis gone, especially all their eggs are right now in the Connor basket. So I think that this is just destined to happen. It's just like, uh, that's probably even why Benil took this fight with Oliver because they probably even told him that that's what's going to happen, but he just isn't going to say that yet. You know what I mean? So that's kind of how it is. And then I, speaking of this whole meritocratic system, these other um, organizations, like you said, they're more about that, right? Like PFL season starting soon. And they're supposedly more about that too, but I have one really bad, like I have one really problem with their system and their season. And that's that the points for winning and losing make no sense at all. Like if you lose a close decision, you get zero points. If you win a close decision, you get three points. And then if you get a knockout in the first round, you get six, but the other guy still gets zero. It's like you, it never ends up with the best fighters having the most points. And they've had so many problems with this already. So they just need to fix that whole season system, give some points to the loser or something, depending on how they lose, figure something out because it, it makes no sense to have a season. And then all your best fighters are missing the playoffs. So just wanted to hear what you thought about that. And also uh, agree with you on the Dustin stuff. Yeah, it's it needs tweaking. That's for sure. I mean, there's off there's there's times where fighters go two and zero in the regular season and miss the playoffs, be, and lose out to guys who were like who lost their first fight but got a finish like a first round finish in the second one. Like it's just it's just weird how it works out. Um, I don't know how you fix it, but you probably have to fix it somehow. Uh, and certainly don't take the playoffs to the UK because that was really dumb. Because half, like half the half the guys, like couldn't get visas to go to the UK. You can't do that because that that hurt them a ton. So yeah, they have they have a lot to to fix in that regard. And the Poria thing just is what it is, man. Like I'm not saying it's definite, but it there is a possibility. And here's another thing that that I brought up a while ago. Remember. When did the UFC go to Dallas? July? The end of July last year. And remember Poirier was just all out going on interviews and on Twitter saying, I want to fight in Dallas. I want to fight in Dallas. Nobody will fight me. I don't care who it is. He even said he'd fight Colby in July. What did I say? I said that Islam Makachev should have taken that fight. It didn't matter. It all kind of worked out for Islam. He sat around and waited. But to me, I was like, Islam, with people... Because there were people saying after Oliveira got stripped that it should be Islam versus Dariush, just like a number one contender fight, and then Charles could fight the winner, 
whatever. And there was talks about like whether or not Islam had enough on his resume to get a title fight. So I was like, well, just go in there and just fight Dustin Poirier, which is a very good stylistic matchup for you. Go get that win. You knock off a top three dude, and then it's undeniable. But that's how you that's how you earn these spots. You jump on these opportunities when you can get them. Islam didn't have to, it worked out for him. But that's what like that's the power of Poirier right now. He's those two wins over Connor put him in uh, on another level. And the UFC loves storylines on top of it. They love storylines on top of it. The story of Dustin Poirier finally winning a UFC title, like an undisputed title. I mean, that's everything. That's everything for him. The story that could be told, it'd be an incredible moment. And the UFC knows this. They know this. And they know that fight does infinitely better on pay-per-view than any other option for Islam right now. Outside of Connor, which, let's be clear, I have zero interest in seeing that fight. But it is an option, for sure, if Connor beats Michael Chandler, that his next fight will be for the belt. And then, holy shit, the, it will be an uproar in the MMA community if that happens. But I'm just trying, especially for the newer fans, I'm just trying to prepare you for what could happen and why you should not be surprised if certain things happen. And it has nothing to do with biases or racism or anything like that. It's just what they do. They have a giant debt right now. They bought, Endeavor bought the FC for $4.2 billion dollars. It ain't like they paid that shit off already. They got like many, many years left to pay off that debt. So they have to strike and they have to put on the biggest fights possible. They had a good financial year in 2022, but it could have been better. The pay-per-view slate, they had some good cards, but overall the pay-per-view slate in 2022 was, it was fine. It wasn't typical. What we're seeing this year Notice the difference in card level this year. Take the Brazil card that went to shit in December and they do a, kind of like a weird, vacant, light heavyweight title fight. Take that out of the equation. But like 284 is a good card. 285 is sick. 286 is good. 287 is good. 288 is shaping up to be pretty good. Like the card quality is better this year. But they have a debt. They have a big debt to pay. And by the way, another thing to throw into this equation as well, they're in – like apparently – and I have, no, I have no insights as whatsoever. This is being reported. Apparently, they are possibly interested in purchasing the WWE. You know the price tag for that right now? $9 billion. $9 billion. It ain't like Endeavor can go to the bank and be like, hey, can I just pull out a $9 billion bill so I can buy the WWE? No. And it's going to cost them way more than $9 billion because you got to pay interest on that shit. And that's a lot of interest. So that's just what they do. That's just what the UFC does. They've been doing it for years. Poirier gets his title fight. You should not be surprised. This is what they do. Zeke, hello. My man, Mike, how are we? Good. Uh, I'm going to keep the train rolling. I guess I'll throw in my opinion on this Dustin Poirier situation. And then let's talk about this weekend. But I don't know, Mike. I don't know if I can handle it. 
I don't know if I could handle Dustin winning round one. Everybody like, oh, my gosh, Dustin might have it. He outstruck Islam, and then Islam choking him out in the second or third round. And we see in the same movie we've seen in Dustin Poirier's career where he's one of the toughest fighters, you know, at least I've seen that lightweight, but just can't handle the ragged and rough grappling of, you know, these new Dagestanis. Uh, it looks like we won't get Islam back until after Ramadan. I don't know if that's 100%, but I know Hamza took that route, I would assume, uh islam will do the same secondly um what do you think about this weekend Krylov span span last saw against uh dominic reyes obviously we won't talk too much about that because my heart is still in shambles from that night and nikita Krylov is just a whole hell a whole hell ball of havoc so i mean it should be fun while it lasts what do you think about it uh good fight I don't I, it's just a, it's such a weird main event. I get it. It's just not a great main event. Like last week's main event was way more interesting than this one. But it, I mean it's a fine fight. It's a, it's a good fight. Like to me this has if this ends in the first seven and a half minutes, it's gonna be Ryan Spann. But if it goes beyond that, I think it's gonna be a really bad night for him. And Cryoff's just gonna beat the hell out of him until he until the final horn rings or sounds or he just finishes Span late. It's tough to pick, man, because Span is just a dynamo. And he is just a powerhouse and he is not paid by the hour. He gets in there and gets does his business and he gets out. And I thought his post Dominic Reyes comments were interesting that he never took the sport seriously until the Reyes fight. Then he started really training. So I, I believe him, I guess, but I guess we'll see. This is definitely his toughest fight. I think, let me just kind of go back and look at the trajectory of Ryan span. Futalaba, Anthony Smith, Serkinov, Johnny Walker. Yeah, this is his toughest fight. But this is one of those fights where if it ends quick, it's probably a span win. But if we get to the round, if we get to like round three and beyond, uh, I, I would take a good look at the, the live odds on that for Nikita Krylov. Might be a, an interesting live odd kind of a fight. Because I think the longer this fight goes, Krylov gets the advantage for sure. CV, hello. Are you there? Hey, Mike, can you hear me? Yep, what's up, man? How are you, how are you? How's I'm it good, going? I'm good, I'm good. Um, I just want to build upon that, too, the main event for this week's UFC. And I was on YouTube the other day, too. A uh, super random idea popped in my head. Um, you know how they usually show, like, the free fights for the two guys in the main event? Um, so we got Krilov and what's it again? Gustafsson? where he absolutely destroyed him. And we got, uh, obviously, Ryan Stan just starching uh, Dominic Reyes. And I thought to my in my head, um, what if we have a double retirement fight between Gus and uh, Dominic Reyes? Um, they're pretty much in like a similar path in their careers. Um, they both have four, <laughs> four fight losing streaks. And, you know, like we've seen like, a couple sad retirements the past few months. You know, we got uh, obviously we got Shogun and and Fedor. So, yeah, just thoughts on this crazy idea. Thanks. 
I'm not opposed to it. Uh, another option would be, let me just make sure. And even if they have fought, I don't honestly really care. Somehow they have not fought. Gus OSP. They're supposed to fight in December. Didn't happen. That'd be a good retirement, double retirement fight. Gus OSP, one last run. You could do it at 205. You could do it at heavyweight. Doesn't really matter. One more go for both guys. I like that idea. Uh, we'll go to JSTAT. Emilio's on deck. JSTAT, hello. Good morning to you. What's going on? Um, nothing much, man. I think um, John Jones is going to get it done uh, next Saturday via ground and pound. I don't know which round. And uh, also, my my well, my second question for for UFC three hundred. What uh legends can we expect on that card? Maybe like a Robbie Lawler or like a Joe Lozon, uh, Clay Guida, and uh, also, what you think the location would be for UFC three hundred? And that'd be all. Thanks, Mike. Hmm. I mean, I would guess the location would be Vegas. Just don't know where else you could do it. Maybe they'll have an ugly mat color like they did for UFC two hundred. It's like so far away, like so much can happen in the next 13, 14 months that it's like hard to even Jim Miller will certainly be on that card. Um, even if Jim Miller fights five more times and loses them all, he will fight on that card. As far as like other legends go, I don't know. I just hope that they just do something with the, with the legends, some sort of moment, some sort of thing. I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. I would guess Vegas as far as location goes. And then the Jones-Cyril Gon fight. God, man, that fight is so interesting. I am so in for it, and I just have literally no idea what's going to happen because John is such a mystery. He really is. And I've talked to like sort of both sides of the coin. Uh, I talked to Fernand Lopez the other day. You'll be able to hear that. I didn't get a ton of time with him. I think I got like 15 minutes with him. Uh, but some really interesting stuff from him. He clarified comments that Cyril Gon made about him being lazy and all that. Some of that was sort of taken out of context, at least in Fernand's eyes. But just the way he approaches the John fight and the way he's thought about it from like different conversations he had. Really interesting stuff. And then I talked to Walt Harris the other day too about you know his future. He's been with John Jones this entire camp. And he's blown away by John. And I know he would say that even if John looked like shit. But, I mean, I, I can tell when people are just saying things to say them. And I can tell when they actually mean them. And Walt Harris meant it. Like, you'd see it in his eyes. Like, when I would ask a question about a certain thing, Walt would, like, have a smirk on his face, being like, dude, you have no idea. And even in, in – and I'll tease the Ferdinand interview a little bit. Before I said goodbye to him, he asked me for a prediction. I'm just like, dude, I have no idea. I have no clue. I feel like Cyril has more intangibles to win. If this is a kickboxing match, Cyril is going to beat John Jones. I just, and who knows? Maybe John is just the highest level kickboxer now because he wasn't when he was the light heavyweight champion. Dangerous, unique in a lot of ways, but 
if, if these guys are standing, Cyril's going to win that fight. And then you look at how John gets guys to the ground for the most part. It's usually fence work, a lot of clinch work. And that's Cyril's wheelhouse. Loves the clinch. That dude is a monster in the clinch. So I don't know how Jones is going to be able to get through all that. My biggest question is, will John actually like straight wrestle Cyril gone? Will he shoot shots on Cyril? And if so, what's that going to look like with this new frame? Is he going to be able to get beautifully timed single and doubles and take, be able to take Cyril down in space? And if he can, it could be a very long night for Cyril gone. Your prediction may actually be very accurate. But I just don't know. Like, we have no idea the fighter we're going to get. Because he's been gone for so long. I, I just don't know. It's such an interesting fight. I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see it. And you look at John from like a personal level and there's not a lot of great there. But as a fighter, how could you, as a fighter and a fight fan, you take all the personal stuff out of it and you look at these guys just as fighters and athletes and you just focus on that. God, this fight is interesting. I have so many questions, and I have no answers right now. And we're not going to have any until next Saturday. Interesting fight. Cannot wait. Uh, let's go to Emilio. What's up, Emilio? Yo, Mike. Good to hear from you again. Great show as always. Also, I freaking absolutely love the uh, little – well, not little, but uh, the report that you made with uh, – I can't remember his name – the fighter – who confronts uh, sex offenders and uh, Dustin Lampros. Yeah. Yeah, man. That was, that was great. That was a nice little surprise uh, in my uh, podcast. So in my podcast list, so I appreciate for that. Um, yeah. Furthermore, uh, I had a couple questions. Uh, the first one, kind of a quote unquote, serious one uh, regarding UFC 285, specifically Valentina against Alexa. Um, I, I know I mentioned this a few weeks ago. I think that Alexa is, I wouldn't even say a live dog, but I, I mean, I'm not really holding my breath, uh, for a crazy upset, <clears throat> but I think that contrary to what Jet says, I don't think that Valentina is just going to run through her. I mean, apart from. I mean, the last time that she lost, it was 2019. And it was, and the only times where she's uh, lost, granted, you know, except the Felice Herrick uh, fight, obviously, you know, she lost, she's lost to Carlos Barza, former strawweight champion, and Tatiana Suarez, who, for all we know, could be, I'm not going to say the current uncrowned champion, but, you know, if she hadn't gone injured, then she might she would have probably gone ahead and and won a title at some point. Um, so, yeah, what's your take on that? I also think that I also think that Valentina's age is going to play a factor. I mean, she's getting up there. I know that she's a freak athlete and whatnot, but and I know that Alexa's not. I mean, Alexa, she's she's young. I think, isn't she, you know, not even 30? So, I don't know. I guess 
I guess I wanted to get your take on what's what what is your prediction uh, for that one? I think that Alexa is it's gonna surprise some people. I'm not like I said, I'm not holding on my breath for her to win, but I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be a good fight. Um, and lastly, uh, I have another question, just a short one uh, regarding. In a in in the UFC worst callout post fight callout championship, who who would you take, Benil Darius or Bilal Muhammad? Thanks, Mike. Appreciate you. Oh man. Um. Man, I I I'd probably say Benil. I'd probably say Benil. That 280 call-out was just awful. It was just, I mean, that post fight interview was, was awful. One of the worst. So I'll go with him. A guy, I mean, literally, a, a, literally could have fight for the belt right now. Could have fought for the belt two fights ago. And just left it all out there. And yeah, it's, it's probably got to be him. Bilal is is a close second, but at least Bilal like had the wherewithal to at least pull back at 280. Because at 280, he was like, oh, he was going to go down the wrong path. And I was like, no, don't you do it. And then he kind of called out Hamza, but he didn't say his name. So it was like a B minus, maybe a C plus. Benio was like a straight D. So maybe it's recency bias. I don't know. It's probably Benny, and that's why Benny's fighting Charles Oliveira, not fighting for the title. As far as Shevchenko Alexa Grasso goes, I just don't think this is going to be a good night for Alexa Grasso. Who knows? Things can happen. She's won four in a row, but G on Kim, that's hasn't aged gracefully. Macy Barber in 2021, that's aged a little better. The Joanne Wood win hasn't aged very well. The Arujo win was nice, but wasn't surprising. But when she's fought like the tippy top fighters, she hasn't been able to win. I thought she beat Carlos Sparza. I thought she won that fight. I, I don't like to use the R word that often, but I kind of feel like that was a robbery. And plus, I just feel like Valentina is just going to come in there like a wrecking ball. I think there's going to be a lot of questions. I think when you look at her at media day next Wednesday, she's going to have that fire in her eyes. Like she had before the Jessica Andrade fight. And I just think she's going to beat the brakes off poor Alexa Grasso. I just think you're going to get an angry Valentina who has something to prove to people. And when Valentina feels that way, that's when she's at her best. And I don't know like how far ahead Alexa has looked at Valentina Shevchenko because even after she beat Avarujo, she was like, one more fight, I'll fight Fioro, and then we'll go. And then even Fioro was like, eh, I'll fight Alexa, and then I'll fight for the belt. And then they just gave her the title shot. So I think Alexa's a good fighter. I just think stylistically this is a, this is a really tough matchup for her. Like Alexa's a really good boxer. She's pretty well-rounded, but... Everything she's good at, Valentina's better than her at. Outside of just a straight boxing. 
but you add in the kicks and just the uniqueness of, of Shevchenko's striking game. Plus her grappling is really, really good and, and incredibly underrated if we're being honest. Yeah, I just don't see this going. Like, unless Valentina just has a really terrible night and Alexa just wakes up ready to take on the world and she just has one of those performances that no one's going to be able to beat her, I just, I just think Valentina runs her over. And I'm not saying this disrespectfully. This is what my gut is telling me. She's going to get an angry Valentina. She ain't fighting the Valentina that had a hurt foot and had to travel to Singapore to fight Tyler Santos. She's fighting a Valentina Shevchenko who's pissed and has a chip on her shoulder and feels like she has something to prove to people who have suddenly doubted her. And that's a scary woman. And that's not a woman I want to be fighting. So... Best of luck, Alexa Grasso. We'll see how she does. I think she'll do okay, but man, this—I think—I don't think it's going to go well. Viking, hello. Uh, I just want to uh, ask you a question about the match between Drikas Duplessis and Drikas Duplessis and Derek Brunson. Who has the edge? Uh, in fighting, uh, wrestling, and submission-wise, on paper. Thank you, Mike. It's a really good fight. That one's flying under the radar. I feel like Drickus is on a nice run right now. I feel like things are going in his way. Um, and I feel like this is the perfect matchup. Like, this is perfect matchmaking. If Brunson's like fully into the game and brings his best, it's going to be a really close fight. But it, there's like a piece of Derek Brunson, I feel, who's like, even though he's kind of yanked back on it, it was kind of like he had a foot out the door. I'm just going to have one more fight and be done. And all of a sudden he's fighting Drew Duplessis. He's coming back again. So, um, I'm going Drickus. I think he's the better athlete. I think he's got more momentum. He's obviously younger. Uh, he's looked really good and he brings just a ton of chaos to the table. And Derek has been pretty good with chaotic guys. And Derek has also shined in moments like this where he takes on fighters who are looking to sort of make a name off of him. And that's when the best Derek Brunson shows up. If that's the case, I think it's a competitive fight, but I'm still leaning with Drickus Duplessis because I just, that dude, that freaking gas tank on that guy, his mayhem that he brings to the table is. It's tough, man. It's tough to it's tough to slow that down. So I'll ride with the hot streak, but I gotta say, I don't have a ton of confidence in that pick. But if you're asking me for a prediction, I'm picking Drinkers two plus E to win the fight. What's the betting odds on that fight? It is Wow, DDP is a minus two forty favorite. I didn't think you'd be that high. Anthony, good morning. You know, I just wanted to talk about uh, the Curtis Blades main event. Or I ask, do you know where it would be? Do you have any inclination? Uh, also, I'm kind of in the school of thought that John Jones is going to lose next week. Curtis Blades, actually speaking of him, he made a good point on. Uh, I think it was Brendan Schaub's show one time I was watching, and uh, he made a really good uh, case for Cyril Gone. And, you know, I think Fernand Lopez is smart enough to go watch that Dominic Reyes and Gustafson tape. Uh, I think uh, John Jones gets slept. Uh, but 
where do you think I'm not here to debate X's and O's. I want to know what you think the UFC does with him coming off of a loss. So can you just play matchmaker real quick with Cyril gone? Does he go pound for pound? How far do you think he goes on that list? Like, what do you think the aftermath would be if uh, John Jones loses? And where would that uh, Curtis Blades main event be? Thank you. That's all. Hmm. So the Pavlovich stuff. Like I, I get, I, I've gotten a few of these questions about like where these events are going to be. Someone else asked, uh, "We're twenty, twenty second, twenty ninth, May thirteenth, two eighty eight. No real location for that yet. I don't know, man. I mean, they're traveling the entire month of March, so." Let's see. That's April 22nd. Pay-per-view is April 8th. 15th in Kansas City. I would guess that will... I would guess, and I have no insight to this. I haven't asked anybody. Um, The last I was told it was TBD, as are a lot of these. My guess is this is going to be an Apex card. That would be my guess. I could be wrong. But that just screams apex card to me i hope i'm wrong but at that point it'll be what one two three four there's no is there an april 1st event i don't think there's an april 1st event there's so many friggin' cards uh is there an april 1st event no april 1st event so they will be on the road March 4th, March March 11th is in Vegas, but it's at the theater at Virgin. Then they're going to London. Then they're going to San Antonio. Then they're going to Miami. Then they're going to Kansas City. So they'll be on the road. They'll be outside of the Apex for one, two, three, four, five, six straight cards. They're going to have to go back at some point. Um, it could be for this one. I don't know. I hope they don't. I, I mean, honestly... If we could just not go back, that'd be awesome. We don't have a main event for the 29th yet. 288's kind of up in the air. May 13th, May 20th. Don't know. But my guess would be the Apex, but I don't know. No clue. We'll take two more. Daniel, what's up, man? Hey, Mike. Can you hear me? How you doing? Good. How are you? Good, good. Um, so, so funny just cause you were just talking about the fights. Yeah. April 1st, no fight on that. That is the first PFL one card in Vegas. Um, just a random little tidbit there. I think I might go to that one, but, um, j- just for today, just a quick question. You know me, um, man, what, what do you think is the ceiling for Charles Johnson? Um, I mean, he's about to have his fourth fight in just seven months. Um, he, he's probably at the brink of being ranked too. Uh, just curious how high you think he can go in the 125 pound division. I mean, but like the guys ranked above him that are actually ranked are Tyson, Nam, Dvorak, Tagir, like, like Suma, Darji, Tim Elliott, you know, these guys, um, just curious what you think his ceiling is. And, uh, for the co-main event this week, I feel like not too many people are talking about it, which I understand, but just curious how you just think that fight's going to go. Um, if you think anyone gets a finish, if you think it goes to the judges, um, just curious who you think takes that one. Thanks, Mike. Which fight? For, Which fight? For the co-main, for, for the Brendan Allen versus M- Muniz this week. Okay. Yeah. 
as AK could attest to, uh, maybe the fight with the most stakes this whole weekend for the UFC. Uh, the middleweightiest middleweight title is on the line. Brennan Allen defends for the first time against Andre Muniz. Uh, the coveted number 16 spot in the middleweight rankings. Uh, we make that a very coveted spot. Christoph Jocko is a longtime middleweightiest middleweight champion. Uh, Brennan Allen took that title. And now he defends uh, in in a very tough test against Andre Muniz. And I will still give Andre Muniz the middleweightiest middleweight title, even if he is like a top eight guy in our rankings. And every fight from there on in, it will be him defending that title. So uh, I'm picking Muniz to win. I don't know if he finishes Brendan Allen, but it's probably going to go to a decision. Charles Johnson's good, man. He is exciting as hell. And that's a good fight. Flyweight unders, baby. I don't think that fight's getting – I think it's one and a half, maybe two. I don't know what the number was. But, yeah, that fight ain't going to the judges. I can tell you that right now. But, I don't know, maybe he fights like a Tatsuro Tyra next. Like, that's not a bad idea. But Flyway rules, and he's a good addition. He never puts on a boring fight. So, yeah, I like that. And then they answer the other question, uh, who would John Jones fight if he loses? Golly, man. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, they could, they could still do the Stipe fight. They could still do the Stipe fight. The Pavlovich wins? He fight, I don't know. I don't know. That's a tough question. Something I have to think about a little bit more. Hell, maybe this chuck him in there with Derek Lewis. I mean, would not be good night for Derek Lewis, but people still care about Derek. I don't know. That's a really tough question. James, take us home, buddy. Hey, it's a heck of a morning to you, Mike. Um, does a few things real fast. Listening to No Bets Barred yesterday, I was just jumping with joy to hear that uh, Jed Mushu is going to be at the Kansas City event with uh, Max Holloway and Aaron Allen, which if I run into Mr. No Gray area, I definitely want to give that man a shout-out. The dude is a GOAT and a legend, and it would just be awesome to, to watch fights with him live. Um, real, real fast, um, with the two kind of rematches coming up with uh, Leon Edwards and um, – and Izzy, I mean, both of them had like, like crazy comebacks in their fights. Which like one of those two fights do you see a, a repeat or the champion getting their belt back? And um, I'm, I, since I'm closing the show, I want to close out on a high note here. Um, I'm a very private person. I don't really want to share my story at this moment. But does anyone out there struggling, like keep your head up? My wife and I have had a crazy four days is kind of dealing with a newborn, but everything's good now. Just everyone just keep spirits high. Things will work, th- work their way out. And, um, I just love this space. I love what you do for us, Mike. And everyone just have a, have a heck of a, a day, heck of a weekend and, and hang in there and everything will be good. Um, thank you. And, and have a wonderful day. Golly, I was, Kind words. 
Appreciate that. Uh, sorry you had to go through what you were going through, you and your wife. Uh, seems to Sounds like you guys are kind of on the other side of it, so I'm happy to hear that, and, and thank you for, for spreading that positive message for sure. Uh, it reminded me, for a sense, because I was – I don't – AK can attest to this. Every, like, resolution I have when it comes to covering MMA – Every year, it's I got to get better at Instagram. I got to get better at Instagram. I got to get better at Instagram. And I still don't get better at it. Uh, but once in a while, I scroll through to see how people are doing it to see if I can get better. And I saw like a story, one of the IG stories Laura Sanko put out there. And it was basically just like, imagine if we use social media to like lift each other up instead of tearing each other down. And I was just like, you know what? That would be great. That would be great. No doubt about it. It's uh, the rematch question. It's tough. It's tough. She can make a case for both. I will, but if I have to guess, if I can only pick one, I will say Usman. And I'm not confident. But Izzy can win two. I just think with the whole Izzy Pereira thing, like I just think when someone when someone's got your number, they just have your number, and Baby Pereira just has his number. I don't know, but if I have to choose one, I will choose Usman, but not feeling really good about it. So there you go. All right, we got to go. Uh, I've gone twelve minutes longer than I was supposed to, but thank you very much, everybody. I appreciate it. We'll be back again tomorrow, ten a.m. Eastern. We'll do it again. Um, we have a lot to talk about, obviously. Tomorrow will be a free-for-all Friday, so we can talk about anything and everything. Uh, BTL today. Uh, it will not be a a competition. Uh, Jed will be back. It's just going to be me and Jed shooting the breeze. Uh, back to the competitive BTLs next week. Uh, we'll bring Jed back in. We'll bring somebody else in. We'll have him battle it out because we'll have a lot, of, a lot more interesting things to talk about because we'll be getting ready for UFC 285 and everything going on with that event, which I think everybody's going to be very excited about by the time we get to that. So uh, see everybody tomorrow, 10 a.m. Eastern. I appreciate it. Have a great rest of the day. And as always, have a heck of a morning, everybody. Listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.